Welcome to the Flourish Conference podcast. Each spring, women from all over the country gather together at our annual conference to learn, grow, and flourish together as a community. Here is the recording from one of our sessions at our 2023 conference. Hello, hello. Boy, do I like you guys. You know the old saying that sometimes they say, oh, I just love you with love, Lord. Why? sometimes think we got to go a lot beyond that and just like people too. And every little moment that I've gotten to spend with one or the other of you, I have really, really enjoyed. So it's an honor to be here with you. Love you guys. Thank you so much. How many people are at a Flourish conference for the very first time? Wow, that is a lot of people. Wow, that's amazing. That is awesome. Well, before I keep going, a couple things I want to share, but how many people were at the Relating to Adult Kids session today? How'd you like that, Natalie? Natalie, how'd you like Natalie? How great was that? I'm like going to try to get her to speak with me all the time. You want to come up here now, Nat? <laughs> Another question somebody brought to mind is that last year, we prayed for women who were struggling to conceive. And they said, we should find out if there were any answers to that prayer this year. So if there were, could you raise your hand if God did something in your life? Okay. Wow. That's awesome. So we, we talked about, you know, just people that were really struggling, how painful that was. And we prayed for women. And so God answered our prayer. And if, if, you're, if your prayer hasn't been answered in that Keep pressing in. Keep believing the Lord. Amen? Okay, I also wanted to mention this because a little over 10 years ago, I started getting prophetic words about writing a book. And uh, I tried a bunch of times, and it was literally awful. (laughs) It was so bad. I sent it to Sheila's husband, Pat, and I said, I'm embarrassed to even send you this. But finally, I ended up going away a couple years ago, and God just downloaded this whole book into my heart. And the crux of this book is about relationships. And we didn't really cover relationships that much at this particular conference this year. But that's a a topic that's very near and dear to my heart. I believe that is a plumb line for our walk with the Lord, how we love others and how we relate to others. So this is kind of a download. Somebody said to me, oh, when are you going to write another one? I said, everything I know is in this book, so I don't think I'm going to be writing another one. It's all in here. But if you haven't already read this or gotten this, I encourage you to do so. It really talks a lot about relating well to others. It talks about relating to God too, but also relating to others. And then it's good for small group studies. We did it in my home church with our small group, and it it was really good. It was really opened up people's hearts and they communicated. So we have a study guide too with that. So I think that's it for announcements. Let me think. I did want to say, where's my little Tabitha at? She's actually Susie's little Tabitha, but, you know, she shares her with me. Where'd she go? Okay, just wanted to say thank you, Tabitha, for coming all the way from New Orleans. And did you go get her? I mean, you don't have to get her. I just, all right, well, thank you. See, did I forget it? Oh, yeah, I did forget something. 
Facebook page. Thank you, Angela. I just was telling them that you're my little Tabitha because Susie shares you with me. So you're both of our little Tabitha. And how much I love you and how thankful I am that you came to lead worship and how special you are. I uh, love me some Tabitha. Thank you. Everybody loves having you lead worship. You just do an incredible job and your team. So thank you very much. Uh, love you. Okay, how many people are aware that we have a Flourish Facebook page? Okay, so a lot of you are not. And it's actually a private Facebook page, so you have to get approval to be on it, because we thought we'll share prayer requests on there and personal things. So did you put it up, up there what the name of it is to get onto it? Flourish NRP Women's Group. That's what you look up on Facebook and join the Facebook page, okay? Because one of the things when I left, my brain was like going a million miles an hour after I left last year's conference. And one of the things I thought was, I really want us to stay connected throughout the year, not just at the conferences. And this was one small way that we could do that. Just have a page where we can have prayer requests for one another, just kind of communicate what we're up to, what's going on. So that's why we're doing this. And we're actually paying every month to do this because that's, it's valuable to us to stay connected to you. I've also been doing a weekly podcast. Um, many of you came to the teaching about relating to your adult kids. I think I have eight sessions on there about that, about relating to your adult kids. I have one with these three on it, my daughter-in-laws and my daughter, so that was really special. So avail yourself to that and join the Facebook page. So tonight, I want to talk to you about the whole theme of this conference. Engage near to God. And when I say I started planning the day I left last, Natalie was with me driving home. We talked the entire way home, the whole six and a half hours, about vision and about excitement and about what God want to do with us and what does he want to do even next year. And for some reason, I've been excited about next year all year long. So I formed, we got an intercessory prayer team together. I think there's like 20-some women on that who have been praying literally all year for this conference. Um, I interviewed women. I interviewed some young women about, what's on your heart? What do you want, God? Is this like going on and off? What am I doing? Oh, I'm doing, I'm acting like Keith Tusi because he always messes up the microphone stuff. <laughs> Can't help myself. I'm related to him now. I'm turning into him. Uh, I've been praying, seeking the Lord, and I ended up, this is kind of simple, but I ended up with this deep desire for what I call a portal. A portal is a doorway, a gate, or an entrance to come close to his heart. That's been my cry all year long. When I interviewed some of these young women, they talked a lot about the struggle to feel, have a close relationship with God. They, a lot of them said, you know, I do what I feel is right. I go to church. I try to read the Bible sometimes, but it's to actually feel like I'm close. Like all these songs that we're singing about, to actually have that going on in my life, that can be really tough. And so that has been the cry of my heart. Lord, take us there. And so even everything we've kind of been doing at this conference has been geared toward that end. And tonight we're going to have a ministry time at the end, and that's what I asked the Lord to do. 
is to take us there. Those of you that have been struggling, those of you that have maybe just want to go further there, that God would meet us. Um, Engage means to establish a meaningful contact or connection. So everybody is mentioned engaged through their teachings. That means that we're going to have a meaningful connection with God. Not just a, hey, I signed on the dotted line, I'm a Christian, so I'm supposed to know God. No, a meaningful day-to-day connection with God. Our theme verse is this, but as for me, and this is what I'd like to hear everyone say and know to be true, the nearness of God is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell of all your works. Who did it? Who made the Lord God the refuge? I did. Did some preacher or speaker or your pastor do it for you? No, I did it. I made the Lord God my refuge. He's the, the nearness of God is my good. So why was this title so important to me? Because it is. Number one, this is my life. I don't have another good but God. I have a lot going on in my life. I have, I'm married to Keith, and he is like a dynamo. You know, he's going a million miles an hour. Trying to keep up with him is tough. He's been to Ukraine, what, four or five times already in the last year or so. I have eight kids, soon to have 18 grandkids. The nearness of God is my good. I grew up as an insecure young woman who felt insignificant all the time. But I'm, I don't feel that way anymore. I was hanging out with Katie Johnson today, and I said, my kids tease me because they say, boy, you really like yourself, Mom. You have an overabundance of confidence. <laughs> and I often think, if you knew me before, if you knew what God has done in my life, what the nearness of God has done for me, that's God's heart for us. Every speaker has touched on that. You know, that's why... I don't want to pick on Mary yet again, but uh, when she was giving me a hard time about I changed her message, I said, Mary, I want you to share how being close to God has carried you all these years. And you did that with excellence. Thank you so much. It was awesome. But I have met many Christian women striving to sustain some type of vague form of Christianity that can feel dry, meaningless, lifeless. They have duty, and duty is good. There's nothing wrong with duty. There's nothing wrong with discipline. But it has to go beyond that, where we truly get the fact. When we sing these songs, we're not just like, yeah. We really mean what we're saying, and that God really is our good. I feel like, honestly, oh, I'm sorry, Tim. You should see the hand signals he's giving me back there. (laughs) Sometimes I feel like people say that prayer, that we're pray, but we don't know where to go from there after that sometimes. We try to read the Bible, we try to talk to God, but we can be a little bit on autopilot. And some of us, I feel like, perhaps inherited our Christianity. We were raised as a Christian 
Our parents were Christians, and so we just kind of naturally flowed into that. And I, we like chose, oh yeah, I'm going to follow that path too. But somewhere along the line, it has to become personal. It has to become more than, you know, yeah, I think being a Christian is the right thing to do. I was raised a Christian, that's what I should be doing. It has to become personal. Very much alive. Sometimes we're so caught up in our lives that, again, we're on autopilot, and we don't remember that we're the daughters of God, that we have a, we have a relationship with the creator and the Lord of the entire universe. And honestly, I felt like partly God wanted to say, it's time to grow up to some of us. We're relying on getting a little morsel from here and a little tidbit from there and surviving from week to week, perhaps. But God's saying, do you want to know me? Do you want to be near to me? Do you want that to be the way you live every day of your life? Maybe some of us aren't desperate enough. I know I'm so desperate. I can't be a mom. I can't be a wife. I can't get up in front of people without knowing he's near to me. I'm too much of a wimp. So maybe we need more of a revelation that we just can't do this deal without him. So what I wanted to do is take you through a little bit of practical advice about how to go there and through some scriptural stuff just to get some ideas of, okay, well, what does that even look like? How do I go there? So we're going to start with Colossians 2, 6 through 7. It says, therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, okay, so there we, most of us probably in here have received him, so walk in him. Okay, Lord, but how? Having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. So it's a day-to-day interactive lifestyle. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things on earth. Okay, so what does he tell us to do after we receive Christ? The first thing he says, be firmly rooted. What does that look like? When a tree is firmly rooted, it's stable. Donna Paladin talked about this today. It's not going anywhere. So he tells us that we need, the first thing we need to be, do, he says in that section of scripture, is we've got to be firmly rooted, not thrown around, not just like, oh, nilly-willy, we don't know what the heck we're doing from one day to the next. You know, we don't know what our decisions are going to be based on. We, they're just based on our emotions, whatever we feel. No, he says, firmly rooted, okay? Stable. So I'm going to tell you something, and again, Donna shared this today, but I feel like this is a process to become firmly rooted, and you'll see as I read this. But as I'm reading this, I want you to... Think of yourself and say, hmm, how do I fit into this equation? And we're going to read Isaiah 61, 1 through 4, which is very familiar to many people. And it says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. And you can initially think of Jesus, but it also extends to us. 
Because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of their ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting. If you listen to Mary, this is exactly what she's lived through. This is what she talked about. She's had all these broken hearted. She's had all kinds of things happen to her. But God, she has allowed God to give her a mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting in spite of what she's been through. So then what happens after all of this? What happens? Then you become an oak of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Then you rebuild ancient ruins, raise up former devastations, and repair ruined cities. So the culmination of Isaiah 61, 1 through 3, is that you become firmly rooted. And you start influencing and touching the lives of others. There's a picture of an oak. An oak tree that's firmly rooted. It's an oak. Just think of it as an oak of righteousness. Think of it as yourself. It withstands the worst storms. It's very broad spreading and it offers shelter and tons of shade to the people around it. So how did these people become oaks of righteousness, strong, immovable, firmly rooted. How did they? I would say to you, they learned how to engage God in the moments, the struggles, and the heartaches of life in such a way as to allow him to make all the difference in their life. Mary Aguilar could have went one way or the other. I've heard Brother Rod say, you got to yield right. She could have gone either direction with all that stuff in her life. But if you take these verses in Isaiah and you yield right in those circumstances in your life and you become vulnerable and you give him access in your day-to-day life, you will become firmly rooted. You will be able to influence others. You will become an oak of righteousness. Let me just say to you, the only reason... I can walk around and love people without fear and have a heart that embraces people and stand up here to encourage people is because I have allowed the Lord to touch me through Isaiah 61, 1 through 3 in all of those areas because I was a mess. And I'm still a mess sometimes. I still have issues. I still have frailties. I still have weakness. And I am desperate for God. So it's those day-to-day life things that come our way that will determine whether we are firmly rooted or not. It's what we do with that. Are you vulnerable with the Lord? So let's think about ourselves. What do you do when you're afflicted, when you're in mental distress, when you're overwhelmed, when you're frustrated, when you're angry? What about when you're brokenhearted or feel trapped or imprisoned? What about when you're in an impossible situation? 
What do you do when you're sad, you're troubled, when you feel like you can't do it anymore, you want to give up? Mary said, how many times did she want to give up? A lot. How do you handle your own sin and failures? What do you do? What do you do? How about your relational issues? How about when you have a fight with your husband or your kids? Where do you go with it? How do you handle it? Do you complain? Do you feel sorry for yourself? I'm sure all of us do that to some degree. But where do you ultimately go with it? Where do you ultimately go? Do you have any experience trading your sorrow for hope and praise with expectation? Let me ask you this. Do you have any idea what the Bible says about your predicament right now even? Do you, have, you might know, oh, this isn't good. Do you have any idea what the Bible says about it? What the promise of God is for you in your situation? Do you, could you cite it? Could you say what it is? If you were asked, if I would say, okay, stand up, you're dealing with something. What does God's word say about that? Would you know? This whole idea of engaging, it's a very purposeful thing. Becoming near to God does not fall out of heaven and hit us on the head. It doesn't happen just because we prayed a prayer to give our life to Christ. It requires a day-to-day, very purposeful pursuit of God. These are analytical questions that help you determine if you are a pursuer. If you've allowed him to touch those places in your life. I've had God ask me more than one time, Penny, are you even engaging with me about this at all? You know, something will happen. Something, there's certain things. I don't know about you. I'm sure it's true of all of us. There's certain things that hit us harder than other things. Like the dart that goes right to the soul that you're like, oh my gosh, that's so overwhelming and so hurtful. It makes me feel so rejected. And the Lord will say, are you engaging with me on this? Or are you just sitting around moaning the blues? And he calls me to himself and says, get with me, girl. What are you doing? Are you going to engage with me or not? That's why I, called, that's why I came up with the title for this. Because God's asked me it so many times that... It reminded me we have to engage with God. So here's some practical things I do when that happens, when he says, are you engaging? Here's some practical things that I do. I stop doing whatever I'm doing at the moment if I'm yelling at Keith or frustrated with somebody or complaining or whatever the case may be, moaning the blues. I stop And I communicate with him and I get his perspective. That's why I like to journal. It really helps me. I'm sure some of you probably aren't real used to journaling, but it helps me a lot to go, okay, God, I'm really upset right now. I'm really frustrated. I might be really angry. I need your perspective. So I'll write, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do about this? How do you want me to handle this? And oftentimes he'll help me see someone else and what they're dealing with. Or he'll give me a solution about how to relate to somebody. Or he'll encourage me. Or he'll correct me. Happens on a regular basis. So I journal. I ask him questions. I find a verse that applies. There's probably people that have never done that. 
Find an actual verse or a promise of God and begin to speak it over your life. There were times where I said, I'm surrounded with your favor as with a shield over and over and over again. Where I was afraid, I felt unworthy, I felt incapable, and I would just say it quietly. You surround me with favor as with a shield, God. You surround me. I walk into a situation where I'm afraid. You surround me with favor as with a shield, Lord. My gift makes room for me. You don't know how often I have had to speak the word over my life to be courageous, to do what I had to do, to do what God was calling me to do. Find a verse that applies and speak it over your life. Fight. The Bible calls the, the, the Bible our sword for a reason. Because you can either fight by just go, going, oh, God, help, please, help, help. This is awful. Help me. I'm so stressed. This is awful, God. Or you can say, thank you, God, that I am more than a conqueror. Your word promises me that. I thank you, God, that I am surrounded with your favor as with a shield, Lord. And I'll tell you what, the difference between the result is like night and day. Chances are, the I used to do this a lot. This is how I used to begin all my prayers. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Ask me how many answers I got to that. Not so much. But believing God and holding fast, like, like the woman that held on to his garment that wouldn't let go no matter what, holding fast to his word and speaking it over my life, vast difference as to the outcome of what. And God already wants to do that in your life. I read a book by Watchman Nee one time, and he said, the greatest thing you'll ever do is receive. Because God's already given us everything we need, but we have to learn how to be receivers. Remember that God is my Father and I have access. These are practical things to become near to God, to stop being mundane, just dutiful, just kind of like, I'm the stepchild. I'm, I'm over here. I'm not really, I'm not one of those ones. That's not me. Heck, yes, you are, but you better go after it. You can leave here exactly the way you came and say, you know what? That was nice. Those were some nice messages. That was a fun conference. Loved the food. Loved the worship. It was great. But not having chosen to go there, and you can go home exactly the same. Or you can say, this is a time. I took time away from my family where I'm going to grow up a new step. I'm going further. I'm going deeper. I'm going to make the decision to be proactive, to be a pursuer of God. A pursuer. Actually... Purposely take time to read the word, no matter how busy you are. I mean, sometimes we have so many, I don't have time, I got kids, I got that. Find time. If you don't have any clue what the Bible says about your life or your situation, you're kind of in hot water, I hate to tell you. And you can't just always ask someone else to figure it out for you. Time to grow up. Time to find out for ourselves. Okay? Actually looking at the promise with my own eyes, seeing it in front of me in the Word. Oh, yeah, that says that right there in the Bible. Fighting my emotions and trading sorrow or fear or anger for obedience and hope. That's how we become near to God. It's really not as hard as it would think. 
You know, some of you look like people like, you look at people like Pastor Ron or Marion or um, Carol, all these folks around here, and you go, how the heck did they get to be like that? I can pretty much tell you it's through this process. They've pursued God. They've pursued his word. They've pursued his promise. They went after it. They learned to trade their ashes for his beauty. What did the psalmist say? I have made the Lord my refuge. Yes, the Lord is a refuge, but he is not going to be your refuge unless you make him your refuge. Pursuing, engaging. First, or Second Peter 1.4 says he's granted to us his precious and magnificent promises. Wow. So that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature. You become like him. Having escaped the corruption of the world through lust. You don't have to lust. You don't have to be like, she has that. Why does she have all that going on in her life? Why am I like this? You don't have to lust. You can appropriate the promise of God for yourself. Not just by hearing a sermon again, but by saying, this promise is mine. I refuse to accept anything less than this promise over my life. I will speak it. I will fight for it. I will go after it over my marriage, over my kids. I'll tell you what. I have some dynamics with my kids. They're not all walking with God. And in the natural My sister asked me not too long ago, how do you keep your sanity? Because I know whom I have believed. And I speak his promise over them. There's a verse that says, all your children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be the well-being of your children. That's deep, deep, deep in my heart. Whether I see it or whether I don't, that's what I believe. And nobody's going to take that from me. No circumstance is going to take that from me. Self-sufficient, independent people will not be near to God. Watchman Nee said the characteristics of those who truly know God is that they have no faith in their own competence and no reliance on themselves. We can have a really good balance of appreciating what God's done in us and actually liking the person we are, but still having no confidence in our own ability. There's a real great paradigm that exists there that I like who God's made me to be. I like what he says about me. I like who I am because of him. But I don't think I have the goods. He's got the goods. And let me just say, if you're trying to be a Christian and you're dependent on logic, you're trying to figure things out, if I think about this long enough, I'm sure I can figure out an answer. Logic alone will not cut it. The advice of your friends will not cut it. Even Penny Tuesday's book will not cut it. Good self-help books. There's got to come a time, no matter what avenues you're using to move forward, where you say, I'm going beyond those avenues, and this is where I find God. This is where I shut the door. This is where I get rid of the distractions, and I go, me and you, Lord, I'm making an appointment with you. And I am going to be purposeful. I'm going to pursue. I'm not going to just wait for the pastor to help me or rescue me or my husband or my parents. I'm going after this myself. I'm taking a step up, and I am going to grow up and do this thing.
Okay, next thing he said to do is to be built up in him. Do we even believe God wants to build us up? Our perception of God has so much to do with our closeness with him. When we think he's not interested in our life or he's harsh, we're going to be real hard-pressed to be close to him. Your perception of God will either make you feel like, man, he's approachable, he's awesome, or like a stranger that you really can't even get close to. It's like it's a, a useless cause. How can you get close to someone who's always mad at me? God is not mad at you. He might be calling you up, calling you out, but he's not mad at you. He's a father. So you think of the very best father you know who's trying to help their kids do better. Yes, they're going to challenge them, but they're not walking around mad at them. So we got to get our right. Okay, we're singing that song tonight. Your love is wild for me. How many people, you don't have to raise your hand, actually really believe that? I need to be reminded, we said. Remind yourself. You're not going to have Tabitha all the time to be singing that over you. (laughs) Remind yourself. Remind yourself who God is. Grow up. Time to grow up. Time to go there. That's what this whole conference is about. A.W. Tozer said, what comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Too many people have things come into their mind that are wrong. They haven't even studied the Bible enough to even know what God says about them, but circumstances, disappointments, things they see on the news, tragedies, that's where they get their idea of who God is. How can I trust a God that does this? They blame God for everything, every bad thing. Well, yeah, God did that. He didn't stop it. But they don't even know, they don't have a well-rounded idea of what the Bible says, and that's what they're basing their perception of God on. It's not going to fly. You need to know who God really is. You need to know what his resume is. How are you supposed to believe he's going to build you up if you think he's mean? And he's mad at you. He's not your friend. He's not trustworthy. He's looking to hurt you. I, I'm talking to a young woman recently, and she said, God hates me. He would never invite me to his house. And let me just tell you, that has defined her life for a very long time. How many lives are a mess and ruined because they believe that God is totally different than what his word describes him to be? Everywhere you look around this world, people do not get what God is really like. And you can sing the songs with the best of them, but if you don't believe it, it's not going to do it for you. You have to find a way to get the word in front of your eyes sufficiently enough that you know what he looks like, and no one can steal that from you. No one. Not any circumstance, not anything you hear about. It doesn't matter. I remember when Mary went through that tragedy with her daughter Lynn, and I remember her and Brother Rod both saying, we will not charge God. Because I have seen so many people when a tragedy comes, well, it must have been God. You know, this thing happened in my life, or that God must have done it. 
You know, he just must be his will. No, we have to learn what God really looks like. Okay? God wants to engage with us. Learn to know him, to understand his heart, to know what he thinks about you and your family, and that he wants to be close to you. You can either believe that you live under the scorn of God or the smile of God. Which do you prefer? Do you think that'll just happen every day? You'll just thought, I'm like, oh, I just live under the smile of God. I'll tell you what, when it becomes so deep in your heart, you know it. You know it, no matter what comes your way. Oh, God's smiling on me. When I look up, I see the smile of God. I don't see his scorn. I want you to imagine your most trustworthy friend. Now think for a minute. I really want you to, the person in your life who you find to be the most trustworthy, it could be your husband, a parent, a sibling, a friend. Think about who that, just get that person in your mind for a minute. What comes in your mind when you think about them? How do you perceive them? Do you feel safe, valued, wanted, content, peaceful? Can you rely on them to have your best interest in mind, this person, whoever they may be? Do you like being with them? How do you think your relationship with this person got to be that way? What did you do to end up with that relationship? Did it just happen? You just see them across church every Sunday, and that's my person right there. Never really talked to them. They're kind of cute that she's pretty. But, you know, no, I don't really talk to her, but she's my person. I mean, I trust her completely. She's got my back. I feel so good when I'm with her. She's my favorite person to hang out with. I have no zero about her. Somebody told me she was nice, though. I heard that. I mean, legit. How did you get to be that way with that person? What was involved? Now, can you imagine God in that person's place only personified? He's more trustworthy than even that person that you're thinking of. But the same type of process that you went through to get that way with that really amazing person in your life, you're going to have to do the same thing with God. And are you willing to go there? I mean, I was with, I think... Annie, I think I was with Annie at a movie one time, and it was the movie of the life of Jesus. And I kept saying to her, that, that's like my best friend. That's like my best friend. I, he's, like he's my best friend. And she's just looking at me like, oh, good to know. Good to know. <laughs> but when you know that, when you've gone after that, one thing, I'll tell you, I remembered this recently. This really helped me. The day I gave my life to the Lord, I was 17 years old. I went home that night, I shut my bedroom door, and I stayed in there for hours, saying, okay, God, I need to find out who you are. I don't know much about you, so let's talk. And I just started talking to God, and like telling him about me, and talking about my life, and asking him, well, what what are you going to do with me? Like, all right, so tonight I I did, this is another thing that kind of gets me. Nowadays, like back in the day, when you gave your life to Christ, you knew 
everything's changing, baby. It's not like, oh, Jesus, come hang with me, you know? Let's do this together. We'll have a good time. I was like, nope, throwing my cigarettes away tonight. Done drinking from now on forever. Done swearing. Done hanging out and doing wrong. I'm treating my mom different from now on. Everything is changing. And when I entered into that place, I knew what I was signing on for. A changed life. So in that room, I'm like, God, what's this going to look like? And I began a pattern and a habit of pursuing and hanging with the Lord. I got the Bible out. I started memorizing uh, the Sermon on the Mount and trying to figure out what do you want from me? What is my life supposed to look like now? I can't, I'm not that same person, but what does that look like? Second Peter 1, 2 says grace and peace. And I like to think of that a little bit like the smile of God. Grace and peace will be multiplied to you in the what? In the knowledge of God? No. In the precise, accurate, intimate knowledge of God. His divine power has granted to us everything that we need in life and godliness through what? The precise, accurate, intimate knowledge of God. Not through something you've surmised from what somebody else told you. Not a perception that you got from somebody that you heard went through a hard time. Your own personal, precise, accurate, intimate knowledge of God. That's how you'll have the smile of God over your life. That's how you walk in everything that pertains to life and godliness. Not from just attending church or what you learn from your parents, but pursuit. Not from a prayer even that you said a long time ago. We have to fight for the right perception of God. It matters. Study. Spend time with him. Pursue. Refuse to see God in an inaccurate way. Stop it. As Mary said, don't charge God. Stop blaming him for things in your own life that have gone awry, maybe even because of your own decisions perhaps at times. Not always, but sometimes. Or things that are tragedies, that we live in a fallen world and we're surrounded by the God of this world as goes around to kill, steal, and destroy. We have a legit enemy. Stop blaming God for everything. And find out who is the God that is about caring for you. And lo- every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. There's no shifting shadow or turning in who he is. Find that out for yourself. I, oh, I wanted to... Where's my little statue? What did I do? Oh, here it is. Okay. So, <laughs> I went out on a limb a bit, and I ordered these statues that some of you have seen already. Keith was like, okay, you're ordering how many? 120 of these? Okay, Pen. Like, you honestly think you're going to sell all these? I go, yeah. <laughs> but to me, this is like a good representation. Yes, I believe in the awe and reverence of God and that we owe him our tremendous worship and honor and respect. But there's also this aspect where we lean into God and we lean on his shoulder and he becomes our refuge. And that's our theme verse. And to me, this is very much reflective of how I'm this little girl right here. That's me. I lean into God all the time. I lean on him. 
He's my dad. I didn't grow up with my dad, but God told me early on, I'm your dad. Don't you worry. I'm your real dad. And so that, to me, is reflective of the heart of God. So the reason I got, I got them half price, they're usually $50. I think we're, we got them for 28 or something. We're selling for 30 I think. But I got them as a reminder. And I think we even did little, little cards, special cards to go with them, with, with the theme verse on it. Because we wanted you to have a tangible reminder of when you think about God, you think in those terms. Yes, you think in royalty and majesty and worship and honor, but you also think, this is my dad. He calls, him, he calls us little children in the Bible over and over again. He calls himself our father. We didn't make that up. He's our dad. Abba means daddy. Okay? So that's why I got this. That's reflective of a big part of God. So in the last thing he said, be established in your faith. Firm, secure, immovable, settled. When choices and trouble come, are we established? Is it engaging with God your first recourse or your last recourse? Is it what you do first automatically? Do you look up and see the smile of God and ask him what to do? Or do you go through all kind of antics and craziness and depression and discouragement? And then as your last resort, maybe I'll pray. It should be our first recourse. I'm going to end with Psalm 73. I'm going to read a couple of verses there. And I want you to look at the psalmist. I think it said it was Asaph. And it's, he starts off in a very bad place. He says, as for me, my feet came close to stumbling. My steps had almost slipped. My heart was embittered. Have you ever been there? I have. And I was pierced within. I was senseless and ignorant. I was like a beast before you. I'm telling you, I felt like that before. When I've gotten a little bit of bitterness going on in my life and a little bit of mix that with some insecurity, I feel like a beast. I feel like... There's no reason in me. I'm just not thinking clearly at all. Then he says, nevertheless, I am continually with you. You have taken hold of my right hand. Heck yeah. With your counsel, you guide me. And afterward, you receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? Do you live like that? Beside you, I have nothing on earth. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Then he says, but as for me, the nearness of God is my good. I have made the Lord my refuge. He's a man who walked through Isaiah 61, 1 through 3, where his life was chaotic. And he was in turmoil. And he was in prison. And he was a mess. But what did he do? made the Lord his refuge. He refused to do it any other way. He said, there is no other way. We need to decide if all this stuff we're doing here together is legit. Is all these songs we're singing, is this real? Is this the real deal? Is this who we really are? Or isn't it? And if it is, we've got to make a decision as adult women to pursue the Lord in such a way that he is my good and he is my refuge. There's no shortcut. So, I've asked the Lord to help us 
by giving us open heaven and open access to him. Like in just a tangible way. And I know that sometimes, even though that's a desire of our heart, it's hard to know how to go there, to know how to get there, to know how to like press beyond what we've been doing all this time and just kind of, you know, and really go there. It can be difficult. So we are taking this time tonight as we pray to ask the Lord to help us to go there. And, you know, the reason we're doing journaling is because I really strongly believe in personal responsibility and not just coming to a conference hoping somebody does something for you. So we're going to take time to pray, and you have liberty to just kneel at your chair and say, okay, God, I'm starting right now. I'm pursuing you, and I don't even need prayer Because I'm going to find this portal between me and you, and I will not move until I sense that I've broken through something. I'm not budging until I get this done. But we're also going to have a bunch of people up here that have been praying and are here to pray with you if you need that. And that's okay. Don't feel bad about that at all. Totally feel You can absolutely come and have someone agree with you. If you've struggled, some of you may have struggled with this for years. Some of you may feel like, yeah, you know, I've grown up in a Christian family. I've grown up in the church, but I don't know how to, I don't really know how to go there. Could you just please agree with me in prayer that today is the day I put the stake in the ground and I say, next year when we come back, I will say, the nearness of God is my good. The smile of the Lord is over my life every single day. I am close to him. So that's the cry of my heart. That's what the intercessors have been praying for, for literally close to a year. And that's what we're believing for tonight. So I'm going to ask the prayer people to make their way up here. Well, you know what? Wait a minute. Hang on a minute. Sorry, shift gears. We're going to do our journaling first. And here's what we're going to do, because we don't want to skip that part. We're going to take however long you need to journal. But after like about five, six minutes or so, then the prayer people are going to start coming. And so they'll be up here at that point. So you can journal however long you want. You can stay right there and pray and press into God. Or you can come up and have someone pray with you. You can continue to learn, grow, and flourish with us as a community of women by visiting nrpflourish.com. There you will find information on our Facebook group, our weekly Flourish podcast with Penny Tusi, and our 2024 Flourish dates. For more information about NRP and other conferences that we have going on throughout the year, visit nrpastors.com. We can't wait to see you at one of our conferences soon.